Thank you for listening, and we hope this message will strengthen and help you in your walk with God. Say this with me today. I receive the word of God to profit me, reproof me, convict me, and instruct me to righteousness that I may become perfect and thoroughly furnished unto all good works. So you quoted 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. As I go to what we would say back to the basics, just teaching on the basics of God's word, I want to remind you every time you say, for the word of God to profit me, Brother Jerry got the word for this next year to progress. So the word of God will teach us how to progress to that next level. You know, I, I, I'm blessed. I'm thankful I can be blessed. I'm thankful that I'm blessed. But I want to do more. I don't want to see more necessarily for us, but I want to do more for the kingdom of God. I was sharing in men's breakfast yesterday. I said, you know, there was a time that uh, Vicki and I needed to go to a, a conference and the budget wasn't there. And so we had to forfeit going to that particular conference, you know, but now we're not at that place. We can go to these conferences, and we're very thankful, and that's because of your generosity. But how much greater would it be if I could sponsor another pastor who was, who's, might be in that situation, Amen. you know, where he may need to go to a conference? I told Vicki, I don't know if I shared this with the men yesterday, but I told Vicki, I said, you know, some of these pastors, they work a full-time job, you know, and they can't go because they have to work that week. Wouldn't it be nice to go to that pastor and say, you know what, listen, you take that week off, we're going to pay your salary, and we're going to pay for your conference. Amen? Amen? Because when you touch the life of a pastor or a minister, you touch the life of a congregation, you know? And the statistics are that one in 10 pastors who start out in ministry don't retire. One in 10. Well, I don't see retirement in calling. I don't see you retire from a calling, you know? I see God changing maybe some direction as you get older, but I don't see retirement. So, you know, at 63 and 76, we haven't retired and we don't plan on retiring. Amen. You told everybody, so I'm just following suit. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. How many of you know that my wife looks younger than I do? Yeah. I know. It's a miracle. Glory to God. And I'm happy about it. But anyway, don't get me off track now. Don't get me to meddling. All right, so, but uh, no, I mean, you know, and, and, you know, 15 to 1,800 ministers are quitting a month now. It's just gotten more and more, you know, and so I want to be able to encourage ministers, and I want to be able to bless them, you know, and so this is one reason why we want to see the increase. This is one reason why we want to progress, so that we can help other people, you know, and see other people do uh, achieve what God has for them. And this is part of the message for us today, is to be able to receive all that God has for us. I thought Vicki was going to preach my message. Uh, so if you have your Bibles, open with me to James chapter 4, verse 7. You know, and it's about being obedient to God, but the reason why we should be obedient to God is because the more we're obedient to God, the more we begin to realize how He really sees us. How He really sees us. James 4, 7 says, Therefore submit to God and resist the devil. And really, to the degree that you're submitted to God, is the same authority that you put resistance against the evil one. 
Spiritual warfare is really wrapped up all in this. And I've read books about spiritual warfare and special t- ways of, of praying and spiritual warfare and how the kingdom of God suffering violent and the violent taken by force. You know, and I agree with all that. But, you know, the greatest key to spiritual warfare is just submitting to God. And to the degree that you are submitting to the God, to the degree you're walking in the likeness of God, you're created in his image, and in his likeness, and to that degree, you're resisting the devil. And so when you submit to God, or you say, listen, I'm going to, I'm going to do things God's way, I'm going to get the mindset that God wants me to have in my life, then you resist the devil, and he will flee. You know, the devil's not nearly as persistent as God is. You know, the devil's out there trying to start fires. You know, some people try to put fires up, but he's trying to, he's trying to, he's trying to uh, start fires, you know. And when things aren't, you know, moving a, 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 in, a, in a negative way, he's got to leave this place and go somewhere else and start something else. And if he's not successful here, which he's not going to be, you know, he's going to go somewhere else to try to stir up some trouble somewhere else. He's just not persistent. He's not consistent. He can't be, you know. And so as you draw near to God and you make that, 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 a choice to stand and withstand against the devil, the evil one, and you've done all to stand, keep standing. Why? Because he can't stand as long as you can. In fact, he can't stand it. He can't stand as long as you can stand. He, he doesn't have the endurance that you have. You know, and I just want to let you know quitters never win, but winners never quit. You know, and if you're still standing, you're still in faith. You know, the enemy may have shot his best shot at you, but if you're still standing, you're in faith, and he's nervous because he hasn't knocked you down. He's concerned if he couldn't knock you down in this last attack, he'll never knock you down, and he's going to go somewhere else where he can knock somebody else down. He's looking for some, uh, uh, another door, open door that he can knock somebody else down, but he had not knocked you down, and you're still standing. And it's not lack of faith that stand. Even though things aren't happening right now in your life, just know that you're standing and you're still in faith and you're still pleasing God. Come on, somebody, give God a big shout in this house. So draw near to God and he'll draw near to you and cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded, and humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. It took me a while to wrap my head around this, and I'm going to share it again here in the Expanded Bible, give us a little better understanding of what he's really saying here. He's not saying, you know, you're a no-good sinner. He's not saying, you know what, you've missed it so God can't bless you. What he's saying here is as you look to God and as you have gone to God and admitted the fact that, yeah, there has been sin in my life, but God's forgiven me, and humble yourself and say, it's not about me, it's not about my good works, it's not about my abilities, it's about what God can do to me and through me, you are humbling yourself. That's why in the scripture when it says, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, by the spirit of grace, the Bible talks about the spirit of grace that God's given each and every one of us, you know, you can do all things through Christ which strengthens you. You can do these things. You humble yourself and God will do it. It's all about him. And you know, the more you magnify God, the more you're going to see God in your life. The more you exalt him, the more you praise him, the more you talk about the goodness of God, the more you're going to see the goodness of God in your life because you're proclaiming that thing into the atmosphere and you're causing that thing to start manifesting in your own life when you talk about the goodness of God. That's why I talk about favor all the time. Oh, I have favor. I've, I've got the favor of God. There's probably, a, there's probably not a day that doesn't go by that I won't say I have the favor at least once. 
but I probably say it several times. I thank God for the favor. I magnify what God's done in my life, and the more I magnify it, the more it manifests. And that's the key, to magnify what God's doing in your life. Yeah, he's forgiven me. I'm humbling myself. In other words, I'm, I'm looking to God, the author and the finisher of my faith. I'm looking to God, who is well able to complete that work that he started in my life. It's all about what he can do, not what I can do. And the more I trust him, the more he wants to do through you and through me. Come on, somebody help me with this message. So humble yourself. Lament and weep and uh, mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy into gloom. What does that really mean? That means, you know, if you're one of those people that maybe you do have some sin in your life and you go, it's not that big deal. You know, hey, everybody has sin in your life. In other words, you're taking it very lightly. You know, God wants you to really press into him and purge yourself of all the things of the world. Why is that? Because the Word of God tells us in Romans chapter 12, 1 and 2, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, not a dead sacrifice. See, sin will kill you, but once you're dead, you're no good, right? You know, not a dead sacrifice, a living sacrifice, holy unto God, which is your reasonable service. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed through the renewing of your mind, that you may prove or that you may walk in the good of the acceptable and the good and the perfect will of God. Now, how many of you know when you're walking in the perfect will of God, other people notice? Well, how'd you get there? I serve a great God. How'd you get there? Well, I invest in, you know, a, a man called Jesus. How'd you get there? I, I, I'm doing what the Word of God says to do. How'd you get there? I'm trusting God. You know, you may not be everything, you, you may not be experiencing everything you want to be experiencing, but you know what? God's not through with you yet. Amen. The expanded Bible says it like this. So give yourself completely over to God. It's not about your works, it's about your heart. Is it really in your heart to give yourself completely to God? To totally give yourself over to the Lord in everything that you do? I was reading through Ezekiel again. You know, and this, this particular scripture really pierces my heart every time I read it. It says, but you know, God judges what's in your heart too. Let your heart be pure. Oh God, let my heart be pure. Don't let any negative thought get inside me. Let my soul be completely restored. Let my thoughts be pure and pleasing unto you. Not just my action, but what's on the inside of me. Because God changes us from the inside and it manifests on the outside. Let that thing change. I don't want anything that's not pleasing to God to be in my life. Stand against and resist the devil, and the devil will run and flee from you. Come near to God. God will come near to you. You sinners, clean sin out of your lives. Cleanse, purify your hands. A metaphor from cleaning up your behavior. Cleaning up your behavior. Now, how many of you, let's just say that you like bubblegum. How many of you could say, you know what, even though I like bubble gum, I could come to a place where I don't chew gum anymore. I could, I could resist chewing gum. Hmm? You could do that. All right? You know, and so grace doesn't take the place of discipline. So let's just say for a moment, and I notice a few of you are chewing gum since I mentioned that. <laughs> just an example. Let's just say for a moment that you found out that chewing gum wasn't good for you or it was a sin, you know? Well, God's grace, he still loves me. Yeah, he loves you, but he's trying to get you to stop doing something for your benefit. Amen. Hello, somebody. So can you say, all right, yeah, I can control that? 
then why is it that there's a segment in society that says, no, God made me this way, and I can't help myself? How does that work? I don't get it. You know, even though if there are some tendencies to want to lean into an immoral or an alternate lifestyle, don't you have the ability to say no and resist it? Or have you justified it by saying, well, God made me this way, which he didn't. Hello, somebody. God made man and woman to be married together. Not man and man and not woman and woman, but man and woman to be married together. Well, God made me, even though I'm in a man's body, I, I identify with a woman. No, God didn't make you that way. You know, and if you really feel that way, come on up after service and we'll deal with it. We'll cast that thing out of you. Amen. That spirit of deception that's trying to mislead you. But even if those things were true, don't you have the ability to not engage in it? Come on, somebody. Amen. Just like you have the ability not to chew gum, don't you have the ability not to engage in it? And you know, the more you don't engage in it, the more you resist it, the more it will uh, uh, dissolve or leave or try to influence your life. Well, is that scriptural? Sure it is. It says that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, 2 Corinthians chapter um, 10, verse 3. But they're mighty through God, through the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, and everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Verse 6 says, being ready to punish disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. So as you are submitted to God and you're walking in obedience, you're destroying the very influence of disobedience in your life. When you're walking in obedience, you're destroying, because that's what it says. It says, you know, that your, your obedience will destroy disobedience, which means to annihilate, which means as if it never existed. So you can destroy that, that spirit of, uh, of, of temptation if you'll just be obedient. That's all you got to do is submit yourself to God. Well, there are certain tendencies, Pastor. There are certain temptations. I understand. You know, and Jesus was tempted with the same temptations that we are. But what did he do? He submitted himself to the Father. He even had the temptation of not going to the cross because he said, Lord, if it's your will, take this for away from me. But nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. And, you know, and, and, and the best prayer that's ever been taught, taught to us is what we call the Lord's Prayer. It says, lead us not in temptation, which really means God's not going to lead you in temptation. I don't know why it says that, but what it really means, it means God, give me the ability not to allow temptation to lead me. Or allow me to be led by temptation. In other words, help me. God knows you need his grace to be obedient and to overcome temptation. And his grace is his ability that he's given to you freely so that you can say no to disobedience and yes to obedience. Say yes, Lord. That's all you got to do is just say yes, Lord. I'm going to do it God's way. Tell your neighbor I'm going to do it God's way. And so this is what it really means. Humble yourself in the presence of God, and he will honor you. He will give you that grace and that ability to continue to walk in the obedience of God. So the renewing of your mind is so that you can see yourself the way God sees you in order for you to receive from God. 
And that's what Romans chapter 12, verses 2 says, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed through the renewing of your mind so that you can prove that which is acceptable, uh, uh, the good and the perfect will of God. Or that you can walk in God's perfect will. And when you walk in God's perfect will, it's going to be a testimony to those who see your walk. And so it all starts with the renewing of your mind, but God wants you to renew your mind so that you can see yourself the way he sees you. And I really appreciate what Pastor Vicky said earlier, you know, quit degrading yourself or quit justifying why you cannot receive from God. There's no reason why you cannot receive from God. Well, I'm not good enough. Who says you're not good enough? Well, there's two people who says you're not good enough. Somebody who's telling you that and you yourself. I am good enough. He made me good enough. This is why he shed his blood for me to be forgiven and to be cleansed. That's what 1 John 1, 9 says, that if I confess my sins, he's faithful and just to forgive me and to cleanse me. There is no unrighteousness in me. You know, Vicki said, when we're, we're not all perfect, well, you know what? Once we ask God to forgive us, we are. Hmm? Aren't we? Where in his eyes, we're in right standing with him. That's what it means. He put us in right standing with him. You know, the word of God tells us in 2 Corinthians 5, 19, it says, he made him who knew no sin to become sin and or that we may become the righteousness of God. What does that mean? He put you in right standing with him. Well, if you're in right standing with God, then why is it so difficult for you to receive from him? And this is why our minds need to be renewed. He wants our, our minds to be renewed so that we can receive from him. The Amplified, the classic Amplified Bible says it like this in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. I appeal to you, therefore, brethren, and beg of you in view of all the mercies of God that you make a decisive dedication of your bodies. That's the, that's the beginning of it. Presenting all your members and facility, uh, faculties as a living sacrifice, holy devoted and consecrated and well-pleasing to God, which is your reasonable, rational, intelligent service and spiritual worship. It's your spiritual worship. The word obedience in the Greek and the word worship in the Greek are almost the same word. They parallel each other. And you know that when you're obedient to God, you're worshiping God? That's why it says, you know, submit unto God, resist the devil, draw near to God, and he'll draw near to you. What are you doing? You're worshiping the Lord. You're pleasing him. You're honoring him in all that you do. And that's a form of worship, is to honor God. Even though you're not, well, I worship you, or even though you're not in worship music, or even though you're not in praise and worship, by honoring God and being obedient to God, you're actually worshiping the Lord. And that's what it says in the Amplified Bible. It says, it says you know, which is your reasonable, rational, intelligent service and spiritual worship. And do not be conformed to this world. In other words, your obedience will hinder you from being conformed to this world or this age, fashioned after and adopted to its external superficial customs. And I love how the uh, Amplified Bible describes what being conformed to this world is. And that is fashioned after, 
adapted to external or superficial customs. How many of you know there are some customs that have been presented to you today that weren't here 20 years ago? In other words, these customs are temporary. Why are they temporary? Because man without God is always looking for something that will satisfy him. They're looking for something that will bring them joy. So they're always constantly changing. Customs are always constantly changing, but the Word of God never does. So don't be conformed to these new customs, these new ideologies, the new, you know, fashions that come into society that says, well, you know, you ought to be woke. Listen, I've been awakened. I've been awakened by the Spirit of God. I don't need to be woke by the Spirit of the world. The expanded Bible says it like this in in that last part of verse 1 and part of verse 2 which is the spiritual or authentic, true, and appropriate, fitting, or rational, reasonable way for you to worship. And what is that? By presenting your bodies unto God as a living sacrifice. That's the reasonable thing to do. Do not be shaped by, conformed to, or pressed into, or molded by this world or this world's age. That's what it says in the expanded Bible right there. The message Bible says it like this. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, your eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without ever thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you always dragging you down to a level of its immaturity. God brings the best out of you and develops well-formed maturity in you. So this is how we get to that place. Number one, how do we get to that place? And this will probably be my only point for the rest of today's message, and that is to dwell in his presence. Go with me to Psalms 91. Psalms 91, starting with verse 1. We're going to read the whole chapter here. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High. What does that mean? That means allowing God to live in the most secret place of your being. The very inner areas of your heart and your life shall abide under the shadow of the almighty and i will say of the lord he is my refuge and my fortress you know when things are going on around you know when you know i was reading an article that uh, iran has attempted to uh hack the water system of several uh cities here in america you know and the first thought is oh my gosh should i even drink water well, the Bible says if I drink any deadly thing, it won't hurt me. Amen. Now, I'm not in, inviting you to go test God or tempt God. If you know if it's not good, don't drink it. But, you know, if, if, if it were to happen, you know, and, and, and this whole purpose is to intimidate us into thinking, dear God, there's nothing out there that we can do that's not healthy for us. I can't even drink tap water. I mean, it might kill me. You know, some terrorists may have poisoned our water. But you know, if you're really dwelling in the secret place of the Most High, 
These things will not affect you. Those thoughts will not affect you. Well, what if terrorists come into Columbia? Well, what if they do? My God's greater than that spirit of terrorism. My God's going to keep me. My God's going to make me an overcomer. I don't care if he has to bring, you know, a new well up in the middle of my living room to bring pure water. God somehow is going to make sure I get the right water and that the wrong water won't come my way. Why do I believe that? Because I'm dwelling in the presence. I'm in the shadow of the Almighty. He's not going to let anything harm me. And if he does, if I do drink any deadly thing, it's not going to hurt me anyway. Amen. You know, do you think that you could poison God? Think about it. Yeah, let's give God some cyanide and see what happens. Well, aren't you made in his likeness and his image? Ooh, isn't that good? Huh? If you're really made in his likeness, no, nah, I'm not encouraging to go out to do any, you know. You know, most of us drink coffee every morning, so we drink some deadly things. <laughs> Depends on who you listen to, right? That's a joke. But my point is that if we're really dwelling in a secret place of the Most High, we don't have to fear any of these things. I will say of the Lord, He's my refuge. He's my fortress. My God, in Him I will trust. Surely He shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the pest, a perilous pestilence. He shall cover you with His feathers, and under His wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and your buckler. You shall not be afraid. Only with your eyes you shall look and see the reward of the wicked. And because you've been obedient, because you have chosen James 4, 7 to be the theme of your life, I'm submitted to God. Because you have chosen to obey God, just, be, just because you've chosen to serve God and to walk upright with God, because you've made the Lord, who is your refuge, even the most high, your dwelling place, no evil shall befall you. No evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. That's what I spoke over our house during COVID. For he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all his ways. In their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against the stone. You shall tread up the lion and the cobras. The young lion and the serpents you shall trample underfoot. And because you have set your love upon him. That's what that really means. Therefore, he will deliver you. He will, because you've set him on high and because you've known his name, he, and you, you shall call upon him and he will answer you. He will be with you in time of trouble. He will deliver you and honor you. And with long life, he'll satisfy you and show you his salvation. So I need a couple of uh, volunteers. I'm going to ask Herman and Aaron and William. Come on up here. You're over there, okay? And we're just going to say as an example, these guys are thugs, okay? <laughs> and we're going to say, you know, just an example that we got into it and I whooped them real good, okay? But then here comes my wife. And, and she has to go down the path where those thugs are. And she's going by herself. <laughs> All right? How far do I go? 
Well, until you feel like you can't go any further. Okay, here we go. But here I am. I come up, and what are these thugs going to do? That's exactly right. That's what it means to dwell in the secret place of the Most High. Amen. Amen. You know, she's going to walk with the one who can whip the thugs. Thank you, thugs. You can sit down. And that's what it means to walk with God. When you're walking with him, you know, he's already whooped the thug. I mean, cast him out of heaven. When he was here on this earth, he defeated him. Then he went down to hell and defeated them and stripped them of all his authority. And he has no authority. And when you're walking with the one who stripped him of all the authority, what do you think he's going to do when you come around? He's going to leave like those thugs left. We ain't messing with her because look who she's walking with. Come on, somebody. And this is what it means to dwell in that secret place of the Most High God. Glory to God. Are we doing good this morning? All right, let me turn my page here and see where I'm at. So when you dwell in the presence of God, you will be delivered from, as the Word of God says, you'll be delivered from the snare of the fowler, you'll be delivered from perilous pestilence, not only will you be delivered, but he will protect you, and you will be so protected that no matter where you walk, you won't fear any evil. Vicky's walking with me. She says, I got it made because my husband whooped those thugs. I don't have to be afraid of them. I can go where God says I can go. I can be what God says I can be. I can have what God says I can have. I can do what God says I can do. I can accomplish what God says I can accomplish. I can live where God says I can live. I can drive where God says I can drive. I can do all things. Because I'm with God. And there's no thug, there's no devil, and there's no man, and there's no government that can stop God's plan for my life. Because I am walking with him. I'm dwelling in the secret place of the Most High. Amen. Amen. Don't Patty can't give God praise in this house. Hallelujah. And so, as it does in my studies, many times certain things jump out, and the word delivered jumped out to me today as I was studying this morning. I had to get up early this morning and study. And it says, the word deliver means to recover. Oh, have we heard that word before? Mm, recover. Glory to God. Didn't we discover in Isaiah 42, 22 last week, you know, all these things were happening, but there was no one to say recover, 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 recover. Yes. We discovered that last week. Are you saying recover? Yes. I'm saying recover. Now, I'm, I'm getting real excited because, you know, I'm looking at the Word of God, and I have sown some seed, and I have some harvest coming. Amen. I mean, have you saw, seen that commercial on TV where, you know, these people have made a settlement, but they didn't get all their settlement, and they go, it's my money, I want it now. It's my harvest, and I want it now. If you believe God's word, then whatever seed you've sown has been multiplied. It's been multiplied. But what good is it in heaven? It's my harvest, and I want it now. He said, what are you so excited about? Well, you know what? When I recover and get my harvest, 
Oh, come on, somebody. I mean, we're going to have a landslide. I'm saying recover, recover, recover. So all my recovery is coming. And then on top of it, all my harvest is coming on top of it. Glory to God. Can somebody give the Lord your best shout right now? I believe that. It's all coming. Glory to God. Amen. And so that's one of the words. The word deliver here means to recover. God's going to recover all for you. It means to rescue. It means to snatch away. It means to, to, to uh, deliver from the enemies or, or troubles or even death. Here's another one. This is what I'm trying to get everybody to really focus on. To deliver you from sin and guilt. Should not be any regrets in your life. The book I wrote for pastors, one of the chapters is That Guy in the Mirror. And it's all about regrets. And when I was coaching a JV uh, basketball team, we were scheduled to play a varsity team. Now, that's a big deal. In the natural realm, JV can't beat varsity. But, by, I mean, we played them neck to neck. In the last two minutes of the game, they were five points ahead of us. And so I called a timeout, and I told the boys, this is how we're going to play this game. You're going to foul them because I knew the average high school basketball player usually didn't make 50% at the free throw line. You're going to foul them, and under pressure, they probably wouldn't make that much. That way it stopped them from making at least two points or three points. And then when we get down on offense, give it to my point guard and let him shoot three-pointers. He wasn't a great three-pointer shooter, but he could make some. And so sure enough, they fouled. And their team missed the free throws. We got the ball. The point guard went down. He shot. He missed. Then we went back down. They fouled. They missed their free throws. And my point guard got it. He shot. He made it. Now we're only two points down. And we have about 20 seconds left. They went down. We fouled. They missed their free throws. You know, my point guard went down there. He shot a three-pointer. He made it. Now we're one point ahead. Now, I don't know how many three-point shots that he, he attempted to make but missed, but he made enough to win the game. Amen. And so we went off that court, Woohoo! we're a JV team, we beat a varsity team, man, we were, we were flying high. But how sad would it have been if we'd gone in the locker room and said, do you see how many three, four, three points that you missed? And this is what the enemy tries to get us to do. He tries to get us into this life of regret by saying, you know, but look at all the things you did wrong. Yep. I'm not interested in all the things I did wrong. Amen. God's not interested in all the things that you've done wrong. What God wants you to do is focus on all the things that he has done that is right. Yes. And has God ever done anything wrong? Nope. No. And he put you in right standing with him. So there should be no regrets in your life. You should say, regrets get out of my life. No regrets. Amen. No regrets. Well, if I'd only done this. Well, if I, well, isn't God a God of restoration? Isn't the God the God of recovery? Isn't the God the God of deliverance? Amen. Can he get you where you were supposed to be in the first place, even if you made a mistake? 
So why should there be any regrets? There should be joy in your life. Glory to God. I may not be there yet, but I'm going there as quick as I can. I'm getting to the place where God wants me to be all along. Somebody give him a big shout in this place. So that's what the word uh, uh, deliver means. What are, what are you delivered from? Well, the snare of the fowler. And the snare of the fowler is kind of like the same thing that's in the word offense. It's the bait to lead you away from, to trap you. He wants to trap you into believing that all the things that you've done wrong is going to hinder what God wants to do in your life. He wants to trap you into that mentality. And that's what it means to to deliver you from the snare of the fowler. Well, you will recover. Or you will be covered. So if you're going to be covered, you know, how many of you would have a problem driving in a bulletproof vehicle if you knew somebody was shooting at you? Ah, And you knew absolutely it's undestructible. It was the Batmobile. (laughs) Nobody can destroy it. And if they tried, it turns into a plane and gets you out of there, no matter what it is, some type of transformer, whatever. I mean, if you were really, if there was a vehicle like that that was indestructible, indestructible, no harm could ever come to you, would you ever be afraid of going anywhere in it? I wouldn't think so. But that's where God has you when it says he's covered you. It's not covered you with his feathers. You know, I mean, how many of you would take a a pillow and try to stop somebody from, no, no, no. He has covered you with his presence, which is impenetrable. Mm. The enemy can't get through him. He can't get around him. He can't get through him. He can't get over him. And when you're walking in his presence, you're walking in the very covering of God. And if you're walking in the very covering of God and you know that nothing can penetrate that covering, would you be afraid? That's why it says you shall not be afraid of the arrows by day or whatever comes in at night. That's why it says if you really see yourself in that place of protection, there's nothing to be fearful of. If you really see yourself in that place of protection, you know, I, I know when my wife gets confident. She gets very, very confident about her surrounding when I'm with her. She's extremely confident when I'm with her. She knows that she has to rely on God when I'm not around, but she'd rather me be around. She gets that confidence because there's somebody there that's stronger than her. I don't want to say greater than her, but stronger than her and can help her and protect her no matter where she's at. My wife has the absolute, not a shadow of a doubt that, you know, wherever we're at, I will protect her. We'll be watching this movie, you know, of somebody falling off the boat or something, you know, and in the scene, and she said, if that was my husband, he'd be protecting me. Or whatever the movie is, I know my husband would protect me. But you know what? She has that confidence, but she has more confidence, and so should you, that you should know that your God will protect you no matter what happens in life. Amen? As you dwell in that secret place. 
you will not be afraid. Not only will you not be afraid, but you know what? You'll see the reward of the wicked. What is the real reward of the wicked? Oh, they'll get back what they deserve. No, the real reward of the wicked is that the wicked won't exist anymore. That very thing that came against you eventually is going to dissipate if you trust God. It, one day you'll wake up and it's not there anymore. That's the real reward of the wicked. You know, I'm not praying that people who have been wicked, that God snuff them out like a bug. Oh, I've prayed that a couple times, but the Lord's checked me. I've asked them, aren't they wasting good air? Wouldn't they do much better up there with you than they are down here? No, none of, we, none of us have ever prayed that prayer. No, but no, he, you'll, see, you'll see the reward. In other words, you'll see God defeat the plan of the evil one every time. Because what the devil meant for harm, God's going to turn around for good. That's why Isaiah 54, 17 says, no weapons formed against you shall prosper. Didn't say no weapons wouldn't come against you, but it won't prosper. And every tongue that rises up against you, you shall condemn. You know what that word means, to condemn? They'll be proven wrong. Their intents, their plans, their purpose to hinder you, destroy you, delay you, whatever it is, it will be wiped out. That's the reward of seeing the reward of the wicked. You'll see the plan that they intended for you be wiped out as you dwell in a secret place. So that's one of the benefits of dwelling in the presence of God. Can I go on? Well, I was planning on two anyway. No evil shall befall you. You know, no evil shall befall you. Now, this is not something that, you know, you get real cocky about and put yourself in harm's way on purpose. But if you find yourself in harm's way, no evil shall befall you. Every so often, you know, you might, you know, accidentally be in a neighborhood that's, you know, a little rougher than you want to be in. You know, I remember one time Vicki and I, when we first moved here, and uh, we were leaving the airport to come back for service, and we got behind the, uh, you know, Kansas City Chiefs traffic, you know, was at the same time. And so we decided to take a shortcut. And we got into a neighborhood that probably wasn't conducive for our health. But we prayed. Amen. God helped us out of it. No harm came upon us. Amen. You know, we didn't put ourselves in harm's way on purpose. But you know what? God helped us out of that situation even though we got in the harm's way. And that's what that means. Even if you get into harm's way, God will get you out of harm's way Amen. as you seek him with your whole heart. So no evil shall befall you. Now this is one of my favorite things. Angels will be at your disposal. He'll give his angels charge over you. In other words, he has given you angels to put them in charge of what you need to be done for you. By the grace of God. I mean, you have so many angels. I'm telling you, you, you have thousands of angels. And I can't say I'm a real student of biblical angels. But I've read about other people who have studied them out. Some people believe that you have tens of thousands of angels. And I've just decided that none of my angels are going to be sitting around doing nothing. You know, every day in prayer, you know, I'm releasing my angels. I don't know all what they do, but I have an idea what they do. Aren't there harvesting angels? Doesn't the Bible talk about harvest? Well, it's my harvest, and I want it now. Amen. I got angels going out and getting my harvest. Amen. Glory to God. I got angels that are watching over me. 
I believe in a guardian angel. I don't believe I have one. I believe as active as I've been, I need it more than one. <laughs> At least my mom told me that. Amen. And so we, gotta, we got these angels in charge over us. We need to release those angels to go in. Did you know it was an angel who prodded Cornelius, who brought the plan of salvation to the Gentiles? Why am I saying that? You have any unsaved loved ones? Can't you release some angels to go prod them? Yes. about the, Now, they may not be able to proclaim the but they can tell you where to go to get the plan of salvation. Right. Yeah, I release my angels, the, you know, the unsaved friends, unsaved loved ones. Amen. I know they're working overtime in the White House right now. Oh, I did have to say that. <laughs> Sorry about that. That was not in my notes. But anyway. <laughs> but there are angels to our disposal that we can release to go visit and encourage our unsaved loved ones, you know, to, to the place to go so they, they can hear the plan of salvation. We have so many angels, and that's one of the benefits. Angels at your disposal. Well, another one is to know his name. You shall know his name, it says. Know his name. When you know his name and you begin to proclaim his name, his name begins to manifest in your life. Almost every day in my prayer life, I, talk, I just begin to thank him that he's Jehovah Jireh. Now, many believers say, well, they, he's our provider, and they, they look at that in a financial sense. But really, Jehovah Jireh came when Abraham offered his son Isaac, and Isaac said to him, Father, what about the sacrifice? Abraham says, he is a God who will provide the sacrifice. That's who Jehovah Jireh means. He provided that sacrifice, his son Jesus. And because of the blood of Jesus, I have been forgiven. I have been cleansed. I have been transformed. I have been reestablished in my rightful place that he wanted me in as a son of God. And that's what the Bible says. The whole creation is groaning for the manifestations of the sons of God. In other words, you know, God wants you to get hold of who you are and how he sees you in such a way so that you can manifest this so that you can be the salt and light to this earth. And we know what light does, gives direction, but we also know what salt does. Salt brings healing and preservation. And I've got good news for you. As you dwell and as you submit to God, I want to let you know you're bringing preservation to this world system. You're the answer to everyone's problem. Why? Because Christ is the hope of glory on the inside of you. We doing okay this morning? Amen. So to know him. And to know his voice. And it goes on and says, And with long life I will satisfy you. Well, as long as you're living, God wants to satisfy you. As long as you're living, God wants to satisfy you. As long as you're living, God wants to satisfy you. As long as you're living, God wants to satisfy you. As long as you're living, God wants to satisfy you. God wants you to experience all that he has for your life. With long life... I will satisfy you. That word satisfied means to be fulfilled, to be filled, to have a desire of satisfaction, and to have in excess. Ooh, as long as you live, God wants you satisfied. As long as you live, God wants you satisfied. As long as you live, God wants you satisfied. 
As long as you live, God wants you satisfied. As long as you live, God wants you satisfied. As long as you live, God wants you satisfied. Which also means to be filled and have excess in your life. Amen. Glory to God. Do you receive something from the Word of God today? Amen. Amen. That's why it's important that we come together, encourage one another. We all go through challenges, but we all need one another to encourage one another. Keep pressing, keep standing, keep believing, keep trusting, keep speaking, recover, recover, recover. Are you speaking that? Recover, recover. Is anybody here that needs something recovered in your life? Keep speaking, recover, recover, recover. Find out somebody else who needs something recovered in your life and speak that over them. Recover, recover, recover. He restores all. That's his plan for your life. Amen? Amen. So that you can walk in this place where there's no man, no devil, and no government that will ever stop God's plan for your life. Thank you for listening today. We believe God's Word is what will sustain us in any situation in our lives. For more information, please visit us at familywc.org or you can download the app. Look for us as FWC Como. Until the next time, remember, you are God's best.